All right, we are recording. Afro Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dale. How are you doing? Good, good, thanks. I uh, I put my WD-40 t-shirt on today because uh, you was a WD-40 guy as well, right? Yeah, good memories, man. Good times. <laughs> Definitely good times. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, lots to talk about. I thought we would start with, uh, I don't know, 93 is when the first time you came onto the radar, at least for for us in Europe, was uh, the World Championships in Holland, Scandal, <laughs> Scandal, right? <laughs> yeah, Scandal, whatever you want to call it. And then uh, you won your class, which was what, 15x, 14x? Uh, 16x. Oh, six, okay, so you won 16x, but the big highlight or the big really wow was you beat uh, Inhi Lee, who was obviously GT Factory in the U.S., um, you know, multi-times world champion. And yeah, you went up against him and beat him. And I think Alexis Vergara might have been in that main as well, right? He was in a main as well. All right. So what do you remember from that Worlds apart from the rain? <laughs> yeah, rain was a big thing. Uh, the Worlds, um, yeah, track was soft, as you know. Um, trying to find good lines. Clean lines were hard. Um, in the main, I was on the inside. And uh, Inny Lee and Alexis were more on the outside. I think Vergara was on eight. Um, and as you just uh, mentioned, nobody really knew me. So, uh, and Inny Lee probably only knew Vergara and, um, and considered him as the main threat. So he came out um, good, really good. And he had to snap on Alexis and just try kept him wide in the first turn, which, well, he left the door wide open. So I dove in there and got in front of him. And, um, and with the track being soft and, and, you know, you had to basically plow through the track from start to finish. Um, I kept the inside everywhere I could uh, and forced him to go around and cover more distance um, and somehow was able to keep him behind me until the finish line. Yeah. And Christian Besserim was in that final as well, right? Didn't he get third? Christian got third. He got third. Garen Peters was in there. He uh, ended up going to a few downhill. years later to downhill, doing really well there. Mm -hmm. um, a good friend of mine, Henry Van der Weck, was in there. Um, he raced a lot longer. Uh, you know, I had a great career. Uh, Pritzel, the German oh, kid. Oh, Timo, Timo, yeah, yeah. He Timo. was in there. Yeah, yeah, good job. Um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of well-known names uh, that established themselves throughout the years uh, in that main. So yeah, no, cool. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Timo, he went, I think he still does pretty good in mountain biking and stuff. I think still, still him out there, out there doing stuff. Um, so within the Worlds, was that a big deal for you? Was, I mean, I know in, in Europe, I mean, it was always, you know, obviously a national title. European championships was always big for us. But when the Worlds were in Europe, that was a big deal as well. So it must yes. have been pretty cool to win that, right? Very much so. And on the home turf, was it was awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about the next couple of years after that. You got on GT Europe. I don't know. Did you get on in 94 or 95 you got on GT Europe? 95. Okay. So what happened in 94 then? You just kind of stayed. Uh, you didn't go to the Worlds, I don't think. Oh, where, the, nice. I, uh, I went to uh, Waterford Oaks. I went there. Um, oh, okay. You did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely blew my gate. Uh, that last down last straight, uh, first straight. Um, somehow managed to pull out uh, a third. Oh, that's still pretty good. And in, in he won that one then, right? Definitely won that one. <laughs> Who got second, you know? Um, a rider from Brazil. Um, I can't recall his name. Yeah. But then you got picked up the following year by GT Europe. So, yeah, maybe yes. tell us a little bit about getting uh, getting hooked up with Garrett and uh, joining us on the European team. Yes. Uh, well, he, Garrett told me when he we first met, really, basically signed the contract. He's like, yeah, you've been on the radar for a few years, but um, wasn't quite ready to pull the trigger on it yet. Uh, and then finally in 95, it was that year. Um, and yeah, I got a Europe. It was an eye opener in many, many ways. Um, at that time, it was like, you need to win everything, right? That was the philosophy of like, if you want, you win, you get a good team. Um, but he'd mentioned that is not everything. At the end, um, you're on a team to basically sell bikes. Mm -hmm. So you represent a brand. Um, you can be winning everything, 
But if they don't like you, you're an asshole, basically. He's like, I'm not going to take you on the team. I'd rather have a guy that makes the main, gets fifth, fourth, whatever, gets some decent results, and is a great rider, uh, great personality. Everybody knows him, and you sell a lot of bikes. I'd rather have that guy on the team than a guy that wins everything and is an asshole. And uh, me being 18 at the time, a rookie, new, wet behind the ears uh, with all that stuff, is like that really made me think, you know, and realize it's just not – always about winning to be on a good team mm-hmm. and i think you was that was when junior men just came in was you actually the first year of junior men when you raised falco come in falco oh that's a good question i can't recall i remember going to columbus raising the world cup there mm-hmm. on the indoor um could be but you raced, so that would have been 95. You turned elite in 96. So the Europeans in 95 were in France, right? Was it Valet? I'm just guessing. I think it was because Christoph was there. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I think you would have been junior men then, right? Yes. So you would have raced was, Falco. Yes, Carmine. Yeah. Man, he was fast. Yeah. yeah I honestly remember you guys had some, some good battles. And then... Um, you obviously turned elite in 96. So yeah, maybe tell us about that transition, racing in Europe, some of the guys you raced with. Yeah. Um, and I tell this to the kids I coach uh, every once in a while, um, especially after have they transition from intermediate to expert or, you know, they age up and that kind of stuff. It's um, my first race as an elite was in Dijon, the indoor race. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the worst race I ever raced. <laughs> I felt like I was pedaling backwards. I was not going anywhere. Um, I, I raced like crap, basically. Um, but afterwards, uh, looking back, it all turned out pretty good. So uh, let, don't let one race determine your, your outcome, you know, your future and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that was, Dijon was the first race. It was terrible. One to forget. Yeah, but you soon picked it up, and I, I remember by the European series, I mean, you was in the main straight away, and that was when there was me, Dylan, Jamie. Jamie had already left in 96, so Jamie had already Ooh. come to the U.S. Yeah, he came He came to the U.S. So when you, you went into Elite, that's when Jamie moved to the U.S. So there'd been okay. a Tom, Thomas, uh, Falco. I mean, there's a whole list of guys. You know, Bass was a little, a little bit. He was kind of moving into mountain biking. Wilco, Rob from Bolton. Rob, Rob Bolton. Bolton. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was pr- Pretty the Deuce, Deuce family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peter and uh, I don't know if Nico was still. I think Peter definitely, but I think Nico might have retired by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. It was so what do you Peter? What do you remember about from that European series then, from '96? Um, at that time, I was um, become a, studying to become an electrician, mm-hmm. and uh, I was part time studying part-time working so a pretty full schedule basically so not a lot of time to ride or train or anything like that um so the first year or two i wasn't training like you did uh you know full-time focusing on the sport i went to the track two or three times a week and i was it um so i guess i was making maze solely on talent and a little bit of luck um but somehow it made it work yeah and you kind of like like say when you got on our radar and then especially when you got on gt i really started paying attention to you then i mean just your style of riding you was already technically better than us or a lot of us you know uh you was always you know no, even right right through your career you know you're kind of the nosedive and stuff so yeah did you did you kind of know even back then you had an advantage where you probably got a bit more uh track skill than a lot of us guys um yes i knew if i you know down out of the gate to the first jump i was not as fast as you guys but i know if i was in the mix i can make moves and and pick off a bunch of riders um when the opportunity arose um and then i learned that from when i was 11 12 13 14 when i was a pack rider um i wasn't at that time winning I was every once in a while making a, a podium 
uh, but it was more four, five, six. Um, so I was forced to learn how to ride in a pack. And you and I were very good at it. Mm-hmm. And we could we were could see stuff ahead of time and set it all up and just uh, pull the trigger when it, the moment was there in a turn or down a straight or whatever um, and pull off a lot of good results that way. Yeah, which was unusual for a Dutch rider. I think you go back even before your time, you know, Dutch were always known for being first straights, tall, good gates, just powerhouses, low gears, mm-hmm. you know, Bass, Wilco, like Rob, guys we've already touched on. And and then you can go back into the amateur, even in all the classes, as you know, there's so many fast guys uh, from Holland and always good down the, down the first straight. But you kind of seem like broke the mold a little bit, right? Obviously, you were still good down the first straight, but... For a Dutch yep. rider, yeah, being more of a pack rider, where do you think that came from? Just like, say, racing and being a pack rider as a little kid? Yeah, just being forced to adapt to what you have, you know, work with what you have at the moment um, and uh, not realizing at the time. Um, and then eventually the strength kicked in um, and then I started to basically hole shot in expert classes and stuff. And then I basically took it from there. Yeah. Who was it? Was there any particular Dutch riders that you looked up to in those earlier years? I didn't have a, a favorite favorite, but I always enjoyed watching the elite class. Super, well, super class at the time. Uh, I always basically be at the bottom of the starting hill. Watch them guys uh, do what they do. Uh, I was watching Boss, Rob, um, you, Jamie, all the elite riders, uh, supercross riders back in the day. I was just I really enjoyed watching them compete, you know. I, but I didn't really had a a favorite favorite, an idol basically. Yeah. Well, '96 was definitely a good year for you. Like, say your first full year, um, making all the Euro mains. You made the world's main. Uh, is that when you started to trickle into a couple of little trips to the US as well? Right? Was it the Christmas Classic? Probably the next year you went at. Or you'd, um, already, you'd already been. But I think yes. it was '96. I think you might have gone as well when we went to. Uh, did you do Univers- University of BMX with Garrett in Florida? I did that twice with you. Yeah. Um, I went a few times with York to the Easter Classic races in Florida. You know, because they were kind of back to back. But it came a little bit more. Yeah, when I would turn the lead, it came a little bit more like try to do at least once a year. Um, mm-hmm. I squeeze that in with work and school and everything. And uh seems like the, the Easter Classic and the Gated National, is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, the Florida trips were kind of yeah. the go-to uh, races because they were back-to-back and uh, you only had to fly to Florida and uh, you can kind of drive from there. Yeah. I seem to remember when you first started coming out, you'd race super class and you would win that pretty easy, right? Do you any any anything you remember about that? You'd probably... uh yeah, racing against Renato Silva. Oh he was um, okay. Battling it out and yeah. Tomko for a little bit. Okay. Um yeah, and then uh, I did that for one or two years and then I moved up to uh double A. Yeah, and obviously GT was starting to kick in with more support. Yep. Uh, not just not just in Europe, but in the US as well. So maybe tell us a little bit about that transition and yeah, the support you was getting from TC and everybody on GT. Yeah, taught TC. Um, um, he was also a big part of getting me on GT Europe, I think. And, uh, and then throughout the years, uh, came on the radar more and gave me opportunities to come to Flo- uh, America more and race a little bit more there. Um, in 99, I won the European title and the world title in elite. And then in 2000, he was in Europe for a short trip, hanging out with York. Um, and we're in Germany in Hasselbach, I think. It was terrible, but I remember that. It was just, well, <laughs> pretty standard, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For European races. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And the... Uh, He and I was doing good. I was, but me and Florian Boot were duking it out. But it was looking like I was gonna win the European title, somewhat easy. Again, um, he's like, um, "I give you a choice: you either come to America the next year or you're off GT." So, <laughs> me being young at the time, I thought he was being for real. Um, so, like, okay. <laughs> um, 
And it's always been a dream to go to America and race against the best in the world. Um, but when that actually, that opportunity became a, a reality, um, I just finished school as a full-time electrician, had a steady income. I was still living with my parents at the time uh, and I had everything good, you know, nothing to worry about. And then I had to make the decision to move here to America. Um, turned out to be not as easy as I expected it to be um, because I had everything kind of lined up in Europe. Um, but I ended up doing it and just pulled the trigger like you did and moved here and still here yeah well let's pedal back a little bit like so i want to talk about those european championships and that yeah 99 season for you which was i, I would assume you won the dutch championship that year um 99 no i did not oh who beat you um i actually <laughs> i decided to go to uh vegas i go to the trade show in a bike uh and basically skip the last national and basically forfeit my title <laughs> Oh, I hope Vegas was worth it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I already had the national title. And I was like, um, going to Interbike, I think it was more for my career, a better move than winning another national title. Yeah. So I basically forfeited my national title. Well, it was a big deal for Interbike was always big for GT. So I'm sure that, mm -hmm. that, was, that yep. was part of it as well. But obviously you dominated it in Europe. Uh, I think you... Like you said, Florent Boot, Dylan Clayton was in there a little bit as well, I think. Yes. And then, yep. obviously, and then obviously the week before, now obviously we'll talk about 99 Worlds in France, but also the week before that, it was uh, the UCI World Cup, and I think it was just one race for the title, right? Yes. Yes, and I can't remember where it's at, but it was not that crazy far from there. Yeah. So what, what do you remember from it? I know Jason Richardson was there, Steve Veltman, a couple of the Americans. Yeah, I remember pushing Steve Veltman off the tra off the track on the last straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw his um it had a weird dog, a dog leg and down the last straight and I saw a shadow coming. Um so I just moved over. And back in the, uh, that time there was no uh rule of impeding people down the last straight. So he ran off the track. Did he have words with you after? No. No. He actually he's like, um, a good move. I would have done the same thing. It's just, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're ahead. Yeah. You know. So you won that, the one the one lap, UCI World Cup. You just won the Europeans probably two weeks before that. And then going into Valley. So maybe tell us a little bit about this. I know from previous interviews and just knowing you, you guys probably camped there, right? Yep. And yes, uh, we did. So yeah, yeah, just go on from there. Yeah, we uh, we parked. Um, we used to with my parents. We had a little caravan behind our car. We would go to all the European rounds and and camp out and uh, and that that was basically the way to go in Europe. You know, uh, pack up the car, the caravan, go to a race, race and come back. Uh, so we did the same thing in Valais. Uh, Valais um, stayed there for the week um, and did some local like some local tracks that were open. We went there. Uh, some of the, most of the French tracks are just open for to write whenever you want. Um, so we tried to stay in shape um, and primed uh, for the summer, basically, because uh, summertime is the big time for us. So we're already in good shape, European finals, national championships, and all that stuff. So uh, it was just basically keeping the, the engine primed and... Uh, and I hope for the best for the, the world championships. Was you confident going in? I think, like you say, a lot of us had the same similar path. You know, obviously, Christoph first, um, winning in Europe, just gaining confidence for when he did go mm -hmm. to the US and, and world championships. He's already like felt like you, you're on it. Jamie then, uh, then I did it, then Thomas, uh, and then you. Yep. So I, I think winning those European rounds, even though there's no Americans there, you're gaining a lot of confidence racing in Europe. Yes. Winning nationals winning European rounds. And then by the time you get to the world, you're like, well, it's kind of in my home, you know, it's in Europe, it's in my home place. I, yeah. my, com my confidence is still there. So I'm thinking you kind of have the same kind of vibes, right? Oh, dude, I was, I was riding the huge wave at that, mm. at that point. Um, fun fact is I never went to the gym that whole year. I was not doing any strength. I was just riding my bike, um, and work. Um, but I, yeah, riding that wave, once you get that confidence and it's rolling, 
you know, you're so confident, you know, I get on the gates, like I, I got this or at the main event, I'm like, I was next to Christoph. I was in lane one. He was in lane two. I know, well, unless he really messed up his gate, um, I would not be able to pull him because freaking he had the massive pull uh, at that time and he will pull everybody. Uh, I was like, if I can't stay in his back wheel going in the first turn, I have a good chance of a podium. And uh, I ended up doing that, getting behind him going in the first turn uh, and staying on his back wheel. Uh, I was a second. So, um, you know, how important the insight is. So uh, I was following him down the second straight and then coming out of the second turn, um, I was anticipating he was going to protect the inside for the last turn. Um, so I was coming out of this last second turn lower to get a good setup for the last turn. Um, and then that first jump, I think it was a step up or whatever. He crossed over on me and I'm like, where the fuck is he going? <laughs> and instinctively, you know, I crossed over because he was going to the outside. I'm like, I'm going for the inside. Mm -hmm. And he ended up leaving the door wide open on the inside. So I took advantage of that and um, brought it home. So when you was coming down that second straight, was you like, okay, second's cool. Or you like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to win this. Like you was like full hunting him down. Uh, you're a racer, you're a competitor. You're always hunting. Come yeah, on, man. Yeah. If the opportunity is there, it's there. Or, or you try to make, uh, create opportunities to make the pass. Mm -hmm. Um, I never crossed my mind to like, Oh, just sit right here. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to get second. I was always on the hunt. Mm hmm. So how did it feel then crossing that line? I mean, it was in France. You beat Christoph. He was the favorite. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, crossing the line. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a rush. A lot of things. As time flew by, like, like a snap of the finger. It's like, oh, crap, We're on the podium, like hours later. And then it's like, oh, it's already midnight. It, everything went so fast. Um, but yeah, with the, we were camping. I stayed at the campground. We had all the Dutch people that were hanging out over there, uh, uh, camping out there, just basically celebrating all together um, that evening, which was fun. Um, but yeah, just stuff flew by so fast. It was crazy. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, to win it in France is amazing, you know? So Yes, yes. Um, yeah, the Dutch, well, in Europe, France was not the fan favorite. <laughs> it was basically Europe against France, you know? Um, and French against everybody else because they, well, they got a little bit cocky uh, because they had really good riders at that time. And some were a little bit cocky. So it kind of created a little bit of friction over time. Uh, but they, they had so many great, 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 great racers. So yeah, yeah. probably some jealousy from other countries had to deal with that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, still great, great, uh, great deal. Great weekend for you. All right. So TC made you go to the US. I don't think anyone's ever been made to go there, but you could be the first in BMX history. So I, I think it was more being sarcastic. But, right. Uh, right. Uh, at the point, I was like, Are you, I thought he was for real. Right. But at the same time, Dutch, you know, you, it wasn't really known. You know, French, obviously, Christoph Thomas. Before that, you had Minosi. You know, Bass went back and forth to the US a little bit, but never really mm -hmm. made the full move. Obviously, the English, we all moved out there. Um, so it was not really common for a Dutch person to go and live. You guys seem very homely people. Um, yes. So, yeah, how did you feel about moving out there and, and new opportunities and uh, new new challenges and goals? Well, it was kind of scary, to be honest, um, because, uh, like I mentioned, I was staying with my parents. I didn't have to worry about anything. Food was taken care of. Um, didn't have to do all the, uh, figure out all the other stuff, um, you know, car insurance, uh, electric bills, all that stuff. I never really had to worry about it. And all of a sudden it's like, well, you're here, figure it out, get a car, get insurance, get health insurance, um, get food, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, and it needs to be good food because you're an athlete. So you can just buy junk and go to McDonald's. I get that stuff. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I had to do a quick learning curve <laughs> on that part.
Yeah, you base yourself in. Was you in Laguna or just outside Huntington somewhere? Weren't you? I was uh, in Santa Ana. Okay. On the, on the border of Costa Mesa and Santa Ana, one block behind South Coast Plaza Mall. Okay. Yeah. Not so too obviously... far from uh, GT either. GT was basically right there. Yeah. So what did uh, you know? Obviously, you, you, we were all there at the same time. You still kind of did your own thing. Would see at the track a little bit. You'd come come and do gates once in a while at the mm-hmm. house and stuff on the street with us. But you still always kind of liked to do your own thing, didn't you? It was very quiet and did your own deal. Yes. Lone, Lone Ranger. That's just my personality. Um, and that's how I felt in my element the best way. When I was riding with you, I felt it was uh, with you and the other guys at Orange and all that stuff. It, it was too distracting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Orange with the gate being different than the national gates. Um, it will mess up my gate. So uh, pretty quick, I decided to go to Bellflower because the gate was more consistent with the national gates there. So that was the main reason I didn't go to Orange uh, because the gate would just basically mess me up completely. Yeah, it dropped quick, I remember. Yeah, I used to like that gate. Yeah, so, I would freaking smash the gate at the uh, nationals after that. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, to be to be good at Orange, you would have amateurs there that would could could compete and sometimes beat oh, yeah. pro, pros down there, you know. So yeah, but yeah, also guys that were king of Orange, but they uh, they were nowhere to be seen at the national. So yeah, so. they couldn't tran- trans- translate nope. it. I think uh, I think I think you was always very mentally strong, Robert, all the way through your career. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I say, you wasn't you know frozen out by Christoph and Thomas and you know all those guys. Um, you know, over those years, what did you put that down to? You know, just just the will to win, or you're just confident in your own riding? That's a good question. I never really thought about it, or looked at it um, that way. I mean, you really was a you know, a, 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 I was you know, I, I think I was a racer, but you was kind of a new era of kind of you know, like a, a guy that you like you said earlier, you could read read the riders in front of you, you could make passes, you was confident. You know, you didn't. You know, there's a lot of BS being spoken around those, you know, those years with between the riders and stuff. Yeah, and just spoke the race about didn't that. start when the gate dropped. It was in staging behind the starting hill. It already started. Um, but you could, which, you, you didn't let that distract you, did you? Um, I learned quick, pretty quick to not mingle with the guys. Mm-hmm. Kind of stay to the side in staging because uh, all the crap talking and shit talking and <laughs> trying to get each other out of the out of the game, I learned pretty quick to step away and, and cancel out all the noise, basically, mm-hmm. um, and focus on what I what I can control, you know, and not worry about who is next to me on the gate or anything like that. You, it was basically me in the gate, making sure I had a good gate and good acceleration and so on and so on. Uh, and if I executed that well, uh, I would be in the mix. And then racing is racing and be uh you know it's just always different um so you can't really plan ahead of time like hey this is how i'm gonna ride the track um exactly um and kind of just winged it from there but i made sure that uh, i had a good gate and a good acceleration on the starting hill and then go from there was you using by the time you got to the usn did you have a you know that was kind of the that was all kind of working out coaching and stuff and training and trying different things. It was all new for all of us. So was yes. anybody, anybody helping you in that department? Um, for a short time. Yes. Um, and then he stopped. He, uh, it was just too much for him for, uh, he, uh, and then I did some stuff on my own for a few years and then, uh, got another coach for a little bit. And then boss came in, uh, into play yeah. when the Dutch team came around. Right. Can you remember your first big double A win? I think it might have been in Florida, right? Didn't you win one of those Easter Classic races? Jesus. <laughs> I have no idea where my first one was. I think I it was in Florida. Florida. It was when we was, we was on the road for those couple of weeks. I think you won one of those. I don't know where Could it was, be. but I know it's in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I cannot recall it. I cannot yeah. recall. So tell us about first couple of years of you know racing in in the US and how did you uh, how did you uh, yeah yeah kind of ease into it all and did you like it I think I was you still going there back was to- no easing into it dude I got thrown in the pit I was hanging out with you Romero Nelson 
uh, Gary Ellis um, is last year. Dude, you had all these big shots, and here I come, you know, rookie, like, don't really know anything. I was like, what the hell, you know, did I get thrown into? Um, and then all the shit talking, I was just sitting there kind of <laughs> keeping my mouth shut, you know. Um, I also know if you will run your mouth, uh, there will be consequences in the class. <laughs> there will be consequences. John Purse freaking sent me over to turn in Tampa. In pro open, first round of pro open, we were still right. doing motos. And he was, I was first, he was second. And he's just like, dive bomb on me, send me over the turn mm -hmm. for no reason. Um, I kept my mouth shut. All right. And just got ready for a second round. Um, you know, if you would go, well, Jackal at the time, if you go freaking go to him and start running your mouth, they would just like, oh, you'll have a rough life. Um, and um so yeah at that time it was i just got thrown in the pit felt like you know and gary um was it louisville his last that was his last year race that was his louisville. last it, it was his last win he won in louisville and his last race yes. with grands a couple but that's when gary tripled all three mains yes from lane a too holy mm. crap um no that was my first time hanging out with you guys i had to go with the pro car you mm -hmm. know um <laughs> so be down up at six out at 6 30 so i yeah. show up at 6 30 you guys are fucking gone <laughs> and i know i was there on time well i ended up you guys leave like i guess if you guys say 6 30 you have to be there 6 20. Right. Um, so i was like fuck now what uh yeah. so i ended up calling uh tc so he had to come back with his uh, amateur van you know mm -hmm. with his amateur crew ended up eating with having breakfast with with them and then i'm going to the track so it's like well be way ahead of time be early you know don't be there at 6 30 be there at 6 20 be ready to go i think you would when you when the opportunity was there you would you'd hang out with the amateurs instead of us i think i think you could <laughs> yeah because dude yeah. you guys uh yeah i was not familiar with that whole situation yet <laughs> right yeah yeah no good stuff good stuff um nope. let's talk about a little bit then so you know, as we kind of phased out, then the Olympics was coming in and you was really coming into your own then. You know, I think even before Supercross, you'd obviously done, let's talk about the Vans Triple Crown because you totally, that suited you. Um, you went on to win the last round and I think then you won the UCI World Cup at uh, Woodward as well, right? No, I won the, I won the Vans Triple Crown, the middle one. Thomas won the last one. Okay, but it was at the same track. It was a two-day yes. race. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the one in uh, Wisconsin? No, no, Wisconsin. Was it in Wisconsin? Yes, it got cancelled. The first one got was cancelled. Yes. The first we one was Woodward. Won. Yes. Um, Mount yeah. Bison. Tell us about that. It was a rough weekend. It was a good weekend, rough weekend, all together. I practice. I ate shit down the trip like the triple at the finish line where you basically uh jump off a cliff mm -hmm. and right before i slipped the pedal go on mac five <laughs> so there was no stopping um so i flew up that triple and then the landing was long so it was basically a drop off so i landed at the bottom i missed the landing completely um got punctured by my seat post, uh, like the, the rails of my seat punctured my lower belly. Uh, we were riding the big GT He-Man pedals and yeah. that cut my calf uh, very yeah. deep. I ended up getting stitches in that, uh, two inside, three outside. Um, that was on Friday. So I was already kind of banged up. Saturday morning, warm up, I overjumped, uh, Double. You remember that uh, car truck crossing? He had a double and step up, where kind of the. Cars I remember could, seeing uh, it. I didn't. I didn't race that one, man. That track was way too hard for me. I sat and watched. Dude, like it's I just was... jumps and turns, man. Yeah, no, that was way beyond me. So overjump, overjumped the double, and just no fifty-fifty. That went over the bars. Just basically, basically drilled myself into the lip of the next jump knocked myself silly um had to lay in the gt trailer for a little bit um 
a little bit, a long time actually. I was freaking hurting. Uh, then TC runs in, dude. He's like, "You better get up the hill." First mode, I was ready to drop. I was like, <laughs> "Regroup." You know how he says that, like regroup. I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just walked up the hill, and uh, you know how you sometimes get hurt at a race. You, your mindset changes. It's mm-hmm. not about you know you're not focused on the company. It's just you focus on yourself, and, and and racing each lap by its own, making sure you make it to the next round and so on and so on. Um, and I kind of was in that mindset and was able to put it all together in that, that main and ended up winning. Um, and the second day I crashed going into the first turn, Robbie decided to move over from like five to trying to go to the inside, uh, lane one in like three pedal strokes. So he basically wiped up all the guys on the inside. And uh, most of us ended up crashing in the first turn. Uh, and Thomas was able to stay, stay ahead and um, get the win. On on the previous day, the one that you won, you actually, Thomas, was winning. And you passed him and gave him a little nudge. Uh, do you I remember that? Him. Oh, well, you passed him. Okay, then you, you know. Um, I just kind of pushed him off the track. I, made, I forced him to go off the track. Yeah. But so you guys were teammates. And I think GT actually made you two guys chromolis for that, right? When you guys riding like some special... Yes, Billy Griggs uh, built us, um, yeah, aluminum, uh, chromoly bikes. Because yeah. at that time it was new, same with the Vans Triple Crown and all that stuff. Uh, Vans Triple Crown and, and uh, the X Games, mm-hmm. it was all new. Um, we were way overdressed, way too big tires. We weren't flats, we weren't clipped in. Uh, Wall showed up, a lot of us showed up with chromoly bikes because we were worried about aluminum not being able to handle that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but throughout the years, everybody got more comfortable, and all of a sudden they start clipping in, uh, less protection, um, less knobby tires, just more race tires. Uh, so slowly but surely, throughout the years, uh, we kind of went back to kind of just to a race bike. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the GT bike was good. I liked it, uh, except it got stolen. Oh, it did from from that race. Yeah. No, um, I had uh, no after. I won it two years later. Yeah, that bike rode so good, was so comfortable. That'd be a good collector's bike now. It's only a couple yeah. of them made, you know. Yes. So when so when you passed Thomas, uh, was there any words said between you two guys or nothing? No. Nothing was said. No. And then Thomas went on to win the next day. So yes. can you remember how you ended up? Did you end up third overall or? Because Rob, uh, I think Sanchez won. Robbie got second. Maybe Thomas got third overall. I think. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think so. I don't think I got top three. Okay, but still a good showing on that kind of track. And then obviously X Games. Did you get a podium in X Games one year? I got third on the second year. First year I didn't wasn't able to ride. I was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, second year uh, got third. For uh, third year. I crashed in a semi, I think. It was just this freaking everybody. You know, it was just crazy. Everybody just freaking go for it. Everybody mm-hmm. needed uh, knew that they had to be on the inside. So it just bottled up and just awesome. Off, off crashes on the first rig, going to the first turn. So I mm-hmm. uh, got collected in one of them. Another one of those downhill races. we went back to Wood. Oh, I didn't go, but there was another race that went back to Woodward. And I think uh, it was one that Johan and, and Tom was doing. Yes. I think it was the... I think it was another World Cup, one race, one ti- one one lap for the title. And I seem to remember you and Paulie Lang battled for that one, right? Did you? Paulie yes. Lang was winning and you passed him. So tell us about no, that. No, no, no. I was ahead. He was charging. He was mm-hmm. behind me. Uh, and the turn after that big drop-off, um, you had to drag your brakes a little bit. You couldn't hit it full speed. Um, and... I guess he just tried to do it without braking uh, and he ended up just flying off the track, exiting the turn because he couldn't hold the turn. I didn't know that until I heard it later because he was behind me, but yeah, he ran off the track by himself. Okay. But still another good win for you and yes. uh, definitely suiting to this downhill style of riding. Um, and then I guess, you know, the Olympic vibe comes in. It looks like it's going to be in the Olympics. Those yep. first few World Cups, again, it totally suited you. I think I, I always say it. I think you, uh, 
and even though you did still go to the first Olympics, um, you, Bubba, and Michael Prokop seem like really standing out. Those, you know, oh, oh, five, oh, six, those first few World Cups and stuff, you was getting wins. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe by, by the time we got to 08, you were still good and still a contender. But I think if it had been two years earlier, I think it could have been a whole different deal with you guys um, battling out for the gold, you know? So, yeah, give us your thoughts on all that, of the Supercross track and and going into that first Olympics as well. Um, yeah, about the Supercross tracks, all the new tracks and new things that they tried out throughout the years. Um, and you were a big part of that, too. You experienced a big part of that. Um, I, I think I got learned all that stuff when, you know, in the eighties and nineties, the tracks were different everywhere. Like mm-hmm. neighboring city, their track was different dirt, different turns, um, just completely different. So you needed to be able to adapt to each track and, and figure out what worked and what did not work. Nowadays, go track. Like when I came to America, you literally just had to go look at the track. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And you already had the track figured out before you even wrote it. It was so clean cut, simple, straightforward. Uh, but back then, it was like every track was different. You had bank turns, flat turns, uh, flat to a little bank at the end turns, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, so you, were, you needed to adapt a lot. Um, and I think that also uh, helped me develop the fundamentals to be able to adapt to tracks like that and those tracks to me was more a mind game than anything um i was trying to figure out how fast do i need to go how much do i need to jump or not jump you know do i need to push through the jump or just let it float that was the biggest challenge for those tracks um but yeah it was fun. It was scary and fun. Uh, but for racing overall, it was not that great. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, you was definitely one of those early adapters. And at the same time as that, you were kind of in, kind of in it, even though you are a little younger than us, you kind of came out the 90s era of, you know, being a pro and then adapting to that new super yep. class, super cross. Now you've got a coach. Bass has come in. You've got all these young kids on your team. Um, so that's a whole new experience for you, probably the later, later few years of your career as well. So how did how did yes. all that go for you? Oh, that was rough. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, it's like I was kind of like a Lone Ranger. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, um, Lone Ranger, doing everything by yourself, figuring things out by yourself, knowing what you needed to do for yourself. And all of a sudden, hey, Dutch Federation involved, um, getting thrown into a group with young kids with literally seven, eight years difference. Um, you know how, you know, their testosterone was through the roof. I was, you know, older, married, um, been around for a while. Uh, so that, that, ex- that excitement was not there anymore. Um, so I got thrown in there. It was just, it was a lot to deal with. I had nothing against the kids personally. They were great kids, but just being in that environment was a lot for me, a big change, too much mm-hmm. of a change. I almost I almost stopped racing that winter before the Olympics. So from late 07 to early 08, I I got close to like, you know, screw this, I, I, it's too much, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I had a talk with Boss about it too. It's like, dude, I just, too much i'm getting burned out so um yeah i got close to basically stop racing at that point and then i went to the olympics um i had a major crash less than a month before at chula vista knocked myself into the hospital with a severe concussion had three traumas bleedings in my brain um yeah i was out of it but that was a good crash, and that kind of took. Well, that definitely took the wind out of the sail. I was looking, I was feeling good. Times were good. I was going fast in Chile. Like numbers, all the numbers were up, like mm-hmm. ridiculously up. I was looking good, uh, feeling good until that crash, and that took all the wind out of the sail for the uh, for the Olympics. And the Olympics, I noticed that I wasn't. 
um, in the shape that I needed to be. I could have been, mm-hmm. I would have been if I didn't, uh, if I didn't crash, which took me four years to appreciate it that I went to the Olympics, but it was the years after was rough. Like knowing that I could have gone, I could have, I was contending for the, uh, for the medal. Mm-hmm. Um, but that crash just basically killed it all. Yeah. But you still carried on racing for a little bit. I think you made a run at 2012, didn't you? At least for a couple of years going in. That was my last run. Uh, yes. But the two years, roughly two years after 08, I was mentally struggling uh, with racing. You know, I wasn't feeling the drive, the excitement. I was there. I like the sport, but, you know, you need that fire, that that hunger in your in you to compete at the level. And I was missing that. Um, and then what was this? We had the worlds in Africa around that time. Mm-hmm. It started to come back. Um, and I talked to boss one evening. We were playing pool. I was like, hey, boss, I know the last few years have been rough for me. You know that. I know that. Uh, the desire was not the greatest. But, dude, I'm starting to get hungry again. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to make a run for the Olympics in 12, and I know I can do it. I have it in me. Um, but there's a few things I want to change. You know, um, a lot of training with him was good, uh, but I was missing a little pieces here and there, uh, especially felt like the conditioning part. Because I was older, uh, I needed a good conditioning, base endurance. I was missing that. I wasn't recovering like I used to. Um, so I asked him if it was okay to make my own training program, keep him in a loop and all that stuff and, and work together um, and make a run for 12. And he looked at me. He's like, he was surprised. Right. I caught him off guard with that comment he mentioned later. Um, and he was excited. He said, too, I, I could tell in your eyes you were being serious about it. Um, so, and that's also when, uh, my daughter was born in 08, 09. Um, so also I had to train, but also take care of my daughter at the time. Um, so I had to be really, really creative with the training program and it was looking really well. Um, first race in South Africa, again, I made the main, um, that year in 11. And I hadn't really done any speed work yet. And I was already in the main, so I was uh, feeling good. And then a month later, I broke my ankle at Bellflower BMX. (laughs) That kind of ruined it. Is that when you kind of then you kind of retired after that then? Well, I finished the years because I had some contracts and stuff. I tried to come back, um, you know, as quickly and as well as possible. But, you know, you know, the last year, year and a half before the Olympics, everybody is just ramping it up, focusing down on things in toward the Olympics. And the gap that was created for me not able to train for a while at maximum uh, capacity, uh, the gap got too big and I couldn't overbridge it. So um, I wasn't able to qualify. Mm-hmm. Is that and when that you started it. easing into the, the training and coaching and stuff then? Is that where that kind of started? Well, kind of rolled in. Like I was Bellflower. I was helping out. I was doing uh, riding there, training, getting ready for things. Uh, um, that was basically my stomping ground. And, uh, yeah, starting to coach a little bit. Um, and then just from one thing rolled into another and so on and so on. And now I'm, uh, you know, helping out maintaining the track. It seems like when I'm watching you on social media, it seems like you're doing a lot more than helping out. I mean, you're literally fixing berms, doing clinics, doing summer camps, uh, running the gate. I see even racing some little bikes, something about well, there was a little pit bike yeah, thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like uh, Bellflower is consuming a lot of your time, and that's kind of where you're at now, right? So tell us a little yes. bit more detail on all that stuff. Uh, I always enjoyed working on BMX track from when I was younger back home. I was always, when there's track rebuilds or maintenance stuff, I was always there helping out. So I always enjoyed that. I still enjoy that. Um, so Mark, Tammy, uh, Eastap's son, um, 
was doing the tracking and I ended up just helping out because I always enjoyed helping out, uh, getting the track in the best shape it could be because I think we all enjoy riding good track. And uh, with dirt, um, it needs love. If you don't give it love, it's just going to go to shit. Um, so throughout the years, uh, I got more involved, more involved, more involved. And then Mark moved to Colorado. Um, so Tammy asked me to step up. So uh, with the track maintenance and stuff. So I did that. And uh, with my daughter getting older, I don't need to be at home all the time anymore. Now she can kind of do her own thing too. So um, I'm able to help out more and spend more time there uh, and keep the track dialed in. And at the same time, also do coaching work with the kids um, and trying to make them the best he can be, but also uh, give them good life lessons that it's not always just BMX. You also got to enjoy, you know, life and process and everything. Yeah. I'm surprised you never got more involved with the national team. I don't know if that was something you didn't really want to do or, but I'm sure you got so much to offer and so much. Yeah. Um, you didn't want to go there. Uh, no, you know, it's just funny that that question came up. Yeah. Boss. Um, He asked me, I think it was in South Africa too at the world. Um, because at the time it was just him and the elite program, I guess. And also, but he wanted to expand it. So he also wanted to have an, an, a, a development program. Um, and they needed somebody for that. And he he just threw it like he just like hey do you ever want to consider that I was like yeah i'm not sure if i'm ready to move back to the netherlands because my wife had a steady job uh with all the benefits and all that stuff and we we enjoying it here we like the weather we, we can do our bike riding all the stuff we love here a lot easier than in europe um so yeah, boss is like, dude, I would have been very surprised if you would have said yes. But because, you know, the respect I have for you and the knowledge that you have, I, I wanted to ask you. Mm -hmm. um, and then and, uh, Rob from the Wildenberg ended up doing it. Okay. Picking up that. So he's working with the development kids, you know, 14, 15, 16 year olds, um, like Yella Van Gorkum um, came from that. Tom Van Gant came from that. Uh, Nick and a bunch of other kids came from that that group and rolled into the elite group. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity, but I didn't want to. I enjoy it here, but also don't want to deal with all the the BS that comes with the federation. I was that's something. I'm not sure if I'm mentally ready for that. Yeah, I think even. USA, I mean, that would also be a good fit for you. It seems like they're still struggling for, for not, I don't know what reason, they still don't seem to have the right coaching people mm -hmm. involved. And that would be something that I thought you live in here as well would be. Um, if they, There's a lot of hands in the cookie drawer uh, yeah, here in America, yeah. which is, <laughs> never, yeah, as you know, it's never good. Too many opinions, too many. It's just, no, you need one or two and follow those guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then you also have to, you know, deal with the federation and all the blah 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 stuff, and that is not my thing at the moment. Yeah, and no, I understand. I um, never say never. Yeah, you never know. You never know. I would think you're a great asset to anybody. Just your knowledge and experience Thank and you. respect that everybody has for you. I, I would put you in any national team to be involved. Um, Thank you. Last couple of questions. Uh, first one: What's your thoughts on the current? Top Dutch guys, obviously Nick is the uh, the man right now. You know, world champion numerous times, Olympic champion. Seems a very nice guy, very humble, and yep. uh, definitely a good, worthy winner and a guy to represent as Olympic champion. What's your thoughts on uh, on Nick and everybody over there in Holland? You know, and, and the guys coming through. Um, Nick, uh. I got to know when I was helping out boss. That was that kind of the transition phase after I retired. Uh, boss took me when they had training camps, um, especially in America. He asked me to help out. So I would cook for the team and all that stuff. That's when I got to know Nick a little bit. I didn't know know him before that. 
Um, but that's where I got to know him throughout those camps. And there was one day they were doing downhill sprints, acceleration downhill sprints. And boss was like, dude, check this out. <laughs> so here comes, well, Twan already went, Yellow went, you know, uh, did their sprints. And then Nick comes and he did his effort. And it was completely different than what we're used to see. You know, you, you start off slow and you get in, get the power going and get freaking, you know, you see the power. He just effortlessly up to speed within a split second. That acceleration is just stupid. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, um, you know, we've been around, you know, when you see talent you know when something is different. And I saw a lot of different there. I'm like, oh shit. Then we went to tracks and stuff and I see him ride and how he rides effortlessly. He was like the Mike Day. It's like, is he even fucking trying? And then you see the times, it's like, shit. <laughs> you know, blows everybody out of the water. Um, and then watch him race a little bit. I know he was special early on. And that he had the capability uh, to basically write circles around the guys if he is if his mind was screwed on right um, and it was a good shape. I, I all told him from the get go: if you get shit figured out, you write circles around everybody. I don't care if they're in good shapes or not shape; uh, you'll win it easily. Um, so we've been in contact for years. Um, he's a good guy, very humble, like you said. Uh, and he enjoys riding his bike with his brother. His brother, same thing. They just they enjoy riding their bike. Who goes on a vacation to unwind? To oh, let's go ride. Like hit up these tracks around there and go ride it. No, uh, they enjoy riding the track. Uh, and then the younger kids right now, I'm not too involved anymore, so I'm don't really know. Uh, Brink actually, I yes. know him. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Brink, yeah. your Doris Brink, we all know him. Um, his son, his son is doing very well. You won the elite race in tours, which is a big, a pretty big one mm -hmm. uh, for Europe, considering. Yeah, uh, he won one day, which was good. Um, Julian Baisabos won the junior um, worlds. Yeah, last year, and I saw that guy. Yeah, yeah, he has great talent too, but needs to become a little bit more consistent. Uh, so hopefully he can figure that out. Then he's going to be a real force, consistent force to reckon with. Uh, yeah, Brink is uh, already the force to be reckoned with and uh, has a lot of potential still in him. So he will grow throughout the years. So uh, those are the two new guys to watch from the Netherlands mm -hmm. for sure. I guess why he was telling me that it got me thinking a little bit. You're probably the only guy that's experienced like game changes, like and 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 like. Obviously, Levesque, Allier, I mean, Mario Soto for that little short time, and then going into Bubba, all that era, Mike Day, and then obviously Maris. This is just a list off the top of my mind. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing. And then into this new era of guys with Nick and stuff. So, and, and Ellis, obviously, Thunder Dan. So, so mm -hmm. is Nick's power just like, does it blow you away more than like when you first saw Levesque or when you, you know, Allier, when he kind of yes. started blowing up? So it's a whole nother level to that to you. Yes. Uh, it, his acceleration is like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, like I know Kyle Bennett's acceleration, freaking awesome. You know, Christoph yeah. Thomas, if he was on, it was like, oh shit, yours the day, same thing. Yeah. Uh, Sam Willoughby. Sam, yeah, yeah. To name a few. But then, um, it was his first elite race in Poppendal with Nick and Sam. Sam was in his prime. Like he was the man to beat. And he basically blew him out of the water down the first straight. Mm -hmm. um, and it was not like Sam got cut off or make a mistake. No, it was Sam hit that first straight perfect. Nick hit that first straight perfect. And Nick ended up getting the whole shot. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. It's great, great rider. Great guy to watch. Looking forward to uh, the yes. next couple of years of Olympics. All right, Robert, we can't finish it off without talking about uh, the good old Warwick. All right, let's stir the pot. All right. So uh, I don't know if you listen to the Warwick Stevenson. Uh, oh, I haven't yet. Okay. Well, obviously, he spoke about the 02 Grands with you, mm-hmm. Thunder, riding for Giant and him. So let's hear a little bit of, bit of it from your side. Um, your teammates with Danny. Danny and Warwick are going for the title. I think it's the second main, right? Oh, the first. Okay, first main. Warwick's winning. You dive on the inside of him. Warwick goes further down to the back of the pack. And, uh, yeah, give us your perspective on the whole three mains, the title run, teammates. Oh, let's start a little bit before that. I thought I was a long shot. When we went into the grass, I was a long shot for the title. It was Mm -hmm. between Warwick, uh, Danny, and I was a little bit behind. Um, And from what I figured and I thought, Apparently I was wrong, but at that time, this is what I thought. Like if I win and Danny and Warwick get the seven and eight, I will still get the title. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then besides that, dude, you don't freaking get in the main to like, oh, I'm just going to take second because he's up for the title. No, dude, if I see an opportunity, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have a great gate. But I was on the inside, so I made that first turn nice low. I was able to kind of squeeze my butt out at second. I don't know how I did it, but I was right behind him down that second straight, and I hit that second straight a little bit better than him. So I was able to get next to him going into his first second turn on the inside. Um, well, yeah, when you're in the inside, uh, you're on the outside, basically, and the guy's in the inside of you, like you are in a disadvantage. I think, uh, and um, I honestly thought he was gonna, you know, not back off, back off, but let me slide in mm-hmm. and and get in front, and uh, he gets second. And I didn't know what Danny was at that the moment, and I didn't really care. Um, but he decided not to back off and put in a few cranks after that jump going into it. And I already had that line set. You know how you go into a turn, you already know the line that you need to ride and going to ride. So I went up to take his line away, and he just put in those extra two or three pedals, and I was like, he hit me. And I was literally leaning on his big-ass shoulders and arms (laughs) that, you know, he's freaking beast. I was just hanging on. I was out, like, I couldn't do anything. You know, you're leaning. I was off balance. Um and coming out of the turn, he, we disconnected. He ended up running off the track. And I somehow still had speed to hit that pro set. Don't know how, but I was able to finish it. I could hear the booze going in the first last turn, you know, from the uh, spectators, blah, blah, blah. And passed the finish line first. And I knew he was going to yell at me anyway. So I just stopped <laughs> and waited for him to show up and yell his thing. So, and uh, I moved on from there. Let's go mm-hmm. to the second round, you know. Um, obviously, he was mad. Uh, I understand that. There was never an attention for team riding or taking him out on purpose. If I wanted to take him out on purpose, I would have T-boned the shit out of him and mm-hmm. make sure he would have gone down. Um, and if you look at the video, and anybody with a little bit of BMX knowledge knows that I just wrote the standard, simple, low line to up to take the line away. And... If he would have been smart and back off, get second, Danny would have gotten fifth. Um, that changed the whole dynamics from the next two mains, you know? Mm-hmm. Second, fifth. All right, now it was fourth and last. last. So all of a sudden the pressure is on Warwick and on a Dan, uh, Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Danny just goes, oh, shit. He's like, okay, I just need to control it. Uh, the next two rounds and I'll be good. Um, so that 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 little decision changed the whole dynamics of the next second uh, second and third main. But yeah, mm-hmm. is he has another opinion. He, he really thinks I took him out. Um, I didn't. Mm-hmm. If he want, I, if I wanted to take him out, I would have just teed on the shit out of him. Yeah, and I, I know I know the the way of riding you are, and knowing Danny, I I really couldn't see you guys. You know, and I think Warwick said a little bit on on the on the on the interview that he didn't expect you guys to be having a conversation before the race. You know, like, hey, this is what we should do. 
um, no. and the way you ride it, I don't. Think you know, you can't happen. plan that stuff in BMX. Like no. trying to like, hey, if you need to do this, I'll do this. Dude, there's too many variables in BMX. You can't plan it out. Um, and then at that time, I still thought I could get the title too. Mm-hmm. Until later, after the third, uh, later that night, they said like, dude, you couldn't win it anymore. Like, oh shit. But then again, shit, you're in the main event. You want to win the grands. Yeah, of course. You don't want to yeah. settle for seconds. Yeah, fair enough. So. All right, Robert. So that's, uh, I think Danny's had his say. Warwick said his say. And uh, there's your say. So we got three three opinions on it. And I think Danny kind of said what you did. Um, still, good entertainment for us that were watching. And uh, hopefully the people listening this like it as well. So, all right, Robert. I appreciate our chat. We could go on, I'm sure. Maybe again, oh, yeah. at, some, again at some point. I like talking Euro stuff. So we could dive into some Euro stuff down the road. Yeah, but, let's do that. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah, definitely. But uh, any final uh, words or thoughts on everything? No, not really. But thank you uh, for having me. It was fun. And uh, yeah, we can't go on and on and on, but then it's going to be way too long. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do a European uh, edition at some point then. That would be fun. Or Sounds maybe good. GT edition. A GT as well. Yeah, the stories were endless with that. So do we really want to go there, to be honest? Not all of them. Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> But you were right there in the background, or you was the getaway driver numerous times. Yes, I was the Bob designated driver. <laughs> All right, Robert. Great, great chatting. Good luck with everything in Bellflower, and we'll catch everybody next time. Thank you, man. You have a great one. Cheers.